And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up, everybody? It's another Monday. It's Haley Salvian back from vacation. Uh, Ian Mendez is on vacation now, so I'm here with Sean Gentili for the Monday show of the Athletic Hockey Show. You can tell I'm very rusty because I said Monday and show multiple times in uh, about 15 seconds, but that's all right. What's up, Sean? Thanks for joining me. Pinch hitting for Mendez. You're doing great. Also, you're welcome. Uh, Very, very very, very busy right now. Lots of news happening, work being done. Crazy, crazy time to be alive. It's a crazy time to come back from vacation with multiple transactions and things going on across the league. <laughs> I was taking a look at the um, like the top most recent headlines at The Athletic, and brutal. Jonathan Huberto's extension is still They're at the brutal. top. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Oh boy, when did that even happen? Goodness. I feel gonna... bad for I feel bad for Jesse Granger. He had to, he had to write something last week cuz he had to deal with those <sighs> Robin Leonard, you know, hip injury disaster. I think he was the only person on staff who produced anything last week. I don't know if that's that may or may not be true. Do not do not fact check me on that. But yeah, and, Jesse uh, Fluto. Jesse got, Jesse uh, are Fluto doing too. Some stuff. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, they're they're the ones who are they're 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 uh, rowing the boat here. Yeah. If it, if it weren't for them, we who knows what would happen. Who knows what would be good? But you know what? I'm also like annoyed that Jesse had a Thursday show because now we can't really talk about the Bruins or Robin Leonard because he already did it. But you, you know, know what? We were probably going to do it anyways. You know what we should have done was <laughs> gone back and listened to the Thursday show and transcribed everything Jesse said, and then just read it. <laughs> it's in, in just just to see if anybody would notice. 
That'd be like, funny. I wonder I like how many people would. listen to like every single day or there's people who are just like, no, I'm a I, Monday gal. You know, I'm a I, Tuesday gal or guy. I, I've heard a lot of people really hate the Tuesday show. That makes sense. Uh, Those guys are so annoying. That the Craig Custance. The one, Greg, what's his name? <laughs> Greg. The one, the one host. <laughs> Everybody hates him. What's wrong with Greg Custance? Gerg. <laughs> he just you seems see, really did, mean. Did you see what I tweeted before the show? No. I was, God. I was just like, what would everybody talk about on a hockey podcast if they had to do it in a couple minutes? <laughs> did anyone respond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My buddy Pat Damp, who works for one of the TV stations here in Pittsburgh, he said, Webster's Dictionary defines hockey as, which is like... <laughs> The opening of the dam, like when you have absolutely nothing, that's what you go with. So I feel like that's basically what the first <laughs> segment is going to be here until we talk to Haley. Oh yeah, no, Haley. hey, let me do that. That's fine. I was just teeing you. I up was get. I was getting ready for it. You took it. <laughs> you brought up the tweet for amateurs. <laughs> so in the midst of all this nothing, um, we have procured a great guest. I don't know if that was even the right word. Yeah, we I feel have I, I don't acquired. Know that, <laughs> I don't know if that's something you say about a person. I think that's um, I think that's more when you more when you buy something at a store or steal something. Someone yeah, falls off a truck. My bad. Um, Andrew Mangiapane is going to be joining the show today. <laughs> um, very exciting. He's had you know he had a big year last year, thirty five goal season, signed a big contract extension to stay with the Calgary Flames, three years, five point eight million dollars. Uh, just another piece of that really wild offseason that the Flames had. So Andrew Montrepani is going to be joining us later in the show. Um, excited about that. We asked for some fan questions, um, but a lot of them were just about <laughs> bread and what kind of bread he likes. Some what vague, kind of bread does he get at Subway? Some um, vague, vague anti-Italian sentiments in there. I don't know if I really appreciate that. <laughs> Boppity even, boopity. Yeah. And the like. But I'm actually really curious about this uh, Twitter thread that you posted because some of these responses are really funny. (laughs) See, Um, this is great. This is like, this is, we're in mailbag season in general mm -hmm. here. Like, that's the funny thing is if you go through all the stories that have been posted in the NHL section of the, of the athletic for the last couple weeks, it's like, I did a mailbag and there's Bruins mailbags and Avs yeah. mailbags and Oilers. Every 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 writer is like, all right, I, there's we gotta we gotta outsource this. We need help. So this is just kind of in in step with in step with that sentiment. Yeah. So you know, obviously there are some things going on, and these are really funny, and we can maybe get to them at the end of the show after we talk to <laughs> to Andrew because some of these are great. Um, for example, why is an armpit an anatomical term, but leg pit is not. Um, would love to get into that. Yeah, we need to bring on <laughs> Andrew Mangiapane. Yeah, we should just ask. We should just ask Andrew about that. I was gonna say bring on like an anatomical biologist or no. physiologist or. Do you somebody. call it a leg pit? Yes or no? Do people don't call them leg pits. I thought that's <laughs> that's weird. That was, that was standard. Yeah. Moving on, again, there are some things going on in the world, or or it's more that things aren't going on that makes it notable. There's still quite a few free agents who have not signed or at least have not been announced that they have signed. Um, We're looking at Nazem Kadri at the top of that list. I feel like we've been talking about him 
for a long for months now and and parts of it are great i think his story since leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs via trade has been great um i did see on twitter that he's going to he has his day with the cup and he's going to be i believe he's bringing it to a mosque in london where he's oh, wow. from and that's going to be the first time that the stanley cup is at that kind of place of worship i'm going to have oh, to pull rules. this tweet up Exactly. But it's just so great. I mean, from everything that he he went through being traded from, you know, the hometown team he always wanted to play with. Um, yeah, sorry, I just I just found this tweet. Yeah. Um, his day with the cup is August twenty seventh. His celebrations will begin at noon at the London Muslim Mosque. And um the the tweet said, I believe this is the first time the Stanley Cup will visit a mosque. Um, so that's such a big moment um, for Kadri, for his family, for the Muslim community. I mean, and again, just with the backdrop of what he went through this season um, with the the horrible hate-filled messages he was receiving to, you know, win the Stanley Cup and be able to bring it to, you know, a mosque and, and celebrate with his community that gets so much crap. Um, that's just so special. And Kadri's and just had such a great story. Yeah, um, not just and not just this season either. You know, like I mm-hmm. think I think that's a good opportunity to for people to whether they whether they know already and just want to remind themselves or have never heard it before. Just the story, the story of Nazem Kadri, well, the, the kind of mm-hmm. stuff he dealt with coming up, and uh, yeah, just like a, as a it is kind of a nice little mini valedictory to his to his career in general. But it's also, I mean, whenever this happens, it's going to be a reminder that he doesn't have. He doesn't have an NHL team for exactly. next season yet. Technically. I'm like <laughs> yes. half expecting him to like lift up the cup at the party or whatever. And there's going to be like a five year, $35 million deal with the New York Islanders, like taped to the bottom or something. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's, maybe that's where it was. He's just going to lift the cup up and wearing an Islanders jersey or <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> I feel, has everyone just gotten to that point where we're assuming that this is just Lou being yeah. Lou and he has a contract for Kadri already in the drawer and he's got Dobson extended and he's got everybody extended and maybe another guy here or there. Maybe he brought in Evan Rodriguez, Sonny mm-hmm. Milano, every guy who has not signed yet who's on the UFA boards um, yeah. just has a contract in the drawer at Lou Lamorello's desk. <laughs> How many teams do you think, according to Cap Friendly, are above the cap right now? Above the salary cap? Yeah, like five? Right. Wrong. It is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. What is that? Bef- that's probably before 13. teams throw people on LTIR, though. Mm-hmm. So that's always but like a tough exercise. It is, but it's but it's also instructive because you know, yeah, maybe th- there are there are also guys you know who need to come off LTIR, right? Like that's what right. the Carolina, like the Carolina Hurricanes, for example, need to account for Jake Garner coming off. Right, it's but not Patretti's ex- it, going on. Yeah, uh, right. That's true. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not an exact science, but no. But it's an it's instructive, I think, to the amount of money that's available league wide. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not perfect. These things never are. You gotta you gotta crack it open and account for some other stuff. But thirteen teams, as it stands right now, not accounting for LTIR or whatever, are over the cap. And then another, you know, ten have like a million s- or like, two. <laughs> yeah, have like have like f- four million dollars or less. But I'm pretty sure the Islanders are one of those teams. They don't have – when you account mm-hmm. for the extensions they have to have, 
you know, the bad contracts on the books. I feel like they have debt, potentially dead money. Like they're one of those teams who don't have a lot of money. So obviously there's something yeah, else you, in the hopper for, for sure. the New York they're, Islanders to to fit Nazem Kadri under the ceiling. Well, and Noah Dobson and whatever else. They have eleven exactly. million they have a little bit more than eleven million dollars today, right? There's nineteen players uh on the roster right now. Gotta deal with Dobson if we assume that if we assume that Kadri's going there, if we assume that there's a couple other and what do we think that Kadri's going to sign for? Sorry to cut you off, but I think most projections would have him at this point in the offseason at like a 7 times 7. I feel like I feel like I mean I kind of pulled that number out when I was when I was making up a contract to be stuck under the cup, but I feel like 7 makes sense for him now, right? Yeah, I mean he's 32. He had a career year on one of the most stacked teams in the league and you know, he had a 100-point pace, and that's great. But And, you know, you look at his best years in Toronto and stuff, and he was still, what, a 30-goal, 50-, 60-point guy. But, like, that, and that's great, but that's not 100 points. So teams have to find that middle ground of paying for Nazem yeah. Kadri at who he is now and who he's going to be over the term of that contract. And I feel like that's probably a bit of why we didn't see him sign a massive ticket on, like, day one of free agency I wouldn't be shocked that the market wasn't what him and his agents wanted it to be after the year that he had. But, you know, GMs know what they're looking at here. And there's no money. There's no money in the league. Like, I – this is such – we're going on such – all these roundabout ways, but it's a podcast, so this is fine. Um, this is our show. We can talk about what we want in the order <laughs> <laughs> that we want it. Um, that's, a, that's, but, a, that's a dig at Mendo's, I think. No, 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 I would never. Um, I feel like we almost don't talk enough about the way that the pandemic has just blown up the cap in teams' long-term plans. I mean, I feel like we talk about it, but we talk all the time about this team's capped out and that team took out too much money for this guy and they overpaid this guy, this guy, this guy. Well, when a lot of those deals were signed, teams were expecting that at this point – in 2022-23 season, the cap was going to be at like $90 million or mm-hmm. something. Think yeah. about, we've talked about this before off mic, like Leafs are taking it on the teeth about the John Tavares deal because it hasn't aged great, but it would have been fine if the cap was $90 million. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, it's not. So now they're <laughs> now they're, now they're they're paying the price. I think it's one of those things where especially you see like, uh, it's like a, it was the standard response to combat the sticker shock of whether it was Tavares, whether it was whatever. I had a Rasmus Ristolainen, or you pick a pick a bad deal, and you're like, and it's like, and and yeah, he signed for he signed for another year, like a year or two more than he should have, and another million more than he should have. But well, like in twenty in twenty twenty three, the cap will be the cap will be fine. Well, it's it's not. Mm-hmm. It's a few million dollars, at least below below where we thought it would be, and that puts the squeeze on. You know, maybe not Nazem Kadri, because that's. I think we can just kind of put that in a drawer, right, along with his contract. We don't. We don't. We don't need to think about that. I think it squeezes the guys like, you know, the Evan Rodriguez's of the world who aren't you know, all-star caliber guys, but quasi-useful players who are coming off, you know, maybe a career season or whatever. And they're the ones that are still kind of stuck, 
stuck on the market without as without as as, as much for as as much as they were expecting. The thing with Kadri too, I know you're talking about you know seven by seven. I feel like the years is where he's really going to take a bath here. Like I because he is, he's going to be 32 by the if not by the start of the season, then then uh, then 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 really early in it. I don't know how like. I don't know how you sign him for for seven years at this point. I don't know who on the who on the board in terms of teams with money to spend in teams where Nazem Kadri would like to land are going to have that kind of year number to to offer him. So I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe we see seven million dollars a year for five years or whatever. But it is it is it's tough to look at, at this at this group and see a teams that want Nazem Kadri and be teams that Nazem Kadri would would want to sign with, and I think that's why you know so many people have them have them pegged pegged in in the island because of lose track record a and because of the fit for for player and team. Mm-hmm. And you know Frank Saravalli did report that it was premature to say that Kadri and the Islanders already had a deal in place, and said that he was you know the Islanders were just one of the teams that Kadri and his camp were speaking to. So it okay, seems like when did, when, did Frank, still, when did Frank say that? Let me pull it up. Um, I guess, uh, you know, last week, in the middle of the week. So on the 9th, so like last Tuesday. Um, But I just feel like the longer this goes on, the more people just assume like, eh. (laughs) It's it's, done. It's in the drawer. Yeah, well, you alluded to this too, right? Like you're you're saying, yeah, the Islanders have a lot of work. They they have cap space, but they have a lot of work to be done, whether it's a Dobson extension, like, you know whatever else this is no easy fit for them either like if they are they gonna have to move josh bailey like is like Mm -hmm. is are they gonna need to send money out it certainly seems like they will like think of it this way if we're saying the cadre is gonna get seven million aav or somewhere in that neighborhood maybe a little bit less and then if they do a deal with like a bridge with note with dobson that three and a half or four maybe Mm -hmm. like they're at the number and they only have 21 players on the roster. So it's impossible, like, for all the money that they do have and for all, like, the half-jokey stuff, people have said, like, oh, like, Lou's got it in the drawer or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's work There's work to be done to make it all fit because it isn't just about Kadri. It's about other guys on that roster, and it's about, you know, getting it done in a way that keeps them under the number. Yep, and, and we had the Islanders as, you know, somewhere we thought would be interested in Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau, two of the Flames players who – were, you know, on the market this off season. And again, like with both of those exercises, that was going to be really hard to fit under the cap. They would have had to move, you know, significant assets out to make enough room to sign Johnny Gaudreau in the UFA market and would have had to make significant moves to give Calgary the kind of package they'd be looking for, especially in hindsight, knowing that the Flames got Huberto, Uyghur, first round pick and a prospect um, and the you know ability to sign Kachuk to the kind of contract that he was looking for. Obviously, Kadri is a step lower because you know maybe he's looking for nine million dollars, but I don't think he's going to get it. If he, if team was going to pay him nine million dollars, he would have got that, that by now. Would have happened already. Um, the one thing, and this is probably the last point we should make about Kadri slash Islanders is I've seen a couple of takes out there um, about moving Matt Barzell for Nazem Kadri, and I just want to understand why people are saying that. Um, I think the thought is that there is that Barzell's <laughs> just gonna want to break the bank in a year or two, and he, and he's had a 
I mean, so you move him for a thirty-one-year-old? No, I, I think it's I think it's people just losing their minds over and playing, you know, trying to figure out. I, look, this is part of this is like the the end game of a of a half a failure of an offseason for the Islanders because their mm-hmm. is, their issue last year was that Barzell. You know, they didn't they have a line mate. Didn't have a line mate, and they and they and they were offensively terrible. And you know, for as good as Elias Sorokin was, and whatever else, like that that team that teams couldn't score goals. So, yeah, lose goal headed into the season, headed into the off season was was pretty plain. There's a reason they were attached to Johnny Gaudreau, and there's a reason it seemed like you know that maybe they would have made sense as is a as a landing ground for 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 Kachuk. Those are all star like top tier wingers, which they lack. So now it's like this game they're playing, it's like, well, do we do we really need a center? Not as bad as we need a winger, but we also need some kind of offensive ability because otherwise we're gonna come out of this offseason with just with with like with a goose egg basically with a team that that for a lot of different reasons failed to meet expectations last year. So I think people are just kind of trying to fit and there's so much uncertainty with whether it's Kadri or Dobson or all these other mystery deals that we, you know, that, that, that we're hearing about. People are trying to figure out like what kind of puzzle pieces are there? What's Lou going to do? What does this mean for the future? Because there's just no, because we're a month into free agency and there's still just a huge, huge level of uncertainty. And I think that makes people crazy. So they start doing stuff like, should they move Barzell for whatever, whatever, like, Mm -hmm. I don't, they move out Barzell so they can sign so they can sign Kadri and then use the money that they save on Barzell to do what exactly because there's not really any good so I, the the whole thing yeah. it's, it's it's making people lose their minds right it's just the same thing and you know this is something I you know said about the Flames and Kachuk and obviously that ended up happening not for the same reasons like when Kachuk had a down season um, you know two years ago he had a pretty off year. And it was all, he's not going to be worth this $9 million qualifying offer. Get rid of him. Trade Matthew Kachuk. And it was like, if you move Matthew Kachuk for whatever reason, you have to replace Matthew mm-hmm. Kachuk. And that's the thing with Matt Barzell. Like, Nazem Kadri is not a Barzell replacement in no. the same way, you know? And how are you going to replace that guy? Like, those are, like, I know Barzell didn't have a great year last year, but, like, those are the guys that you shell out money for. Mm-hmm. The young, skilled face of the franchise guys like Barzell's not the piece that you lose to sign Nazem Kadri in free agency. It's the Josh Bailey's and the overpaid older players, not the young stars. Sure. And I know Barzell's maybe not on that level right now because of the year that he had, um, but he hasn't had a winger last season. He did not have a winger to play with, and that's why, as you said, it seemed so important to get a Johnny Gaudreau or a Matthew Kachuk on the Islanders so Matt Barzell could have a skilled winger to play with to maximize the fact that you have Matt Barzell on your roster. I think something that we all we all could do well to remember here, we get lessons on it periodically. We saw it with the Flames. We saw it with what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. We saw it with what Matthew Kachuk said after Johnny Gaudreau left. And I think this is probably part of where, you know, Islanders fans being like, should we trade? Should we just trade Barzell now while we can? I, I think, I think, I don't think we do this enough. We have to account for what players might want down the road. Mm-hmm. You have Especially to, more now. Yeah, maybe like, yeah, of course the Islanders should want to extend Matt Barzell. Like, of course they should want to keep him in the fold because he's, you know, 
a one a center, right? Like he's, he's re- he's really, really good. And he's still young. And you can, you assume that maybe he's not going to be a hundred point guy. Like he looked like when he was 18, but he's, he's a building block and whatever else. Maybe he doesn't want to play for the New York Islanders. <laughs> That's what happened to the Calgary Flint. Maybe he wants to go right. somewhere else. Like these players do have agency and they get to a right. point, they get to a point where they have leverage. And we are so used to in this sport, seeing players seed that leverage mm-hmm. and sign long-term extensions with the team that drafted them whenever they're coming off of their entry-level deal and then a two-year bridge deal, and then comes the big deal. That's the way it works because that's the way hockey players operate most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think we need to remember, whether it's media, whether it's fans, you know, whatever, that these guys at a certain point in their career can decide what they want to do. And mm-hmm. not everybody wants to play with the team that drafted them and signed them to their first right. two deals. Sometimes they want to leave. So maybe that's part of what's driving, you know, the Islanders fans being like, should we do this? Should we trade them now? Blah, blah, blah. Because. Right. You know, it's what's the ripple effect of Matthew mm-hmm. Kachuk showing how much control you can have over the situation. I feel like, you know, and this is just recency bias because we're talking about these last, you know, five, seven, eight years in the league. But. And, you know, if correct me if I'm forgetting something, but I feel like Austin Matthews was like the one big superstar that kind of went and took that bridge deal. I think he took that one first, signing for like a shorter term versus like a max eight-year extension to lock in in Toronto forever. I was like, no, I'm going to do this for now, maximize my next contract after I've been in the league for a little while. But, you know, I think Matthew Kachuk is the perfect example of – a player using their leverage and having the most control over their money, their situation, where they're going to be, he signed that three-year deal to have as much control over his life as possible Mm -hmm. in the way that it was backloaded with the $9 million qualifying offer secured the bag. So not only did he get a chance to say, I'm going to stay here for three more years and then I'm going to reconvene and say, do I want to be here? And if he does and if he doesn't, he's going to be due a ticket. And that's exactly what we just saw. And I wonder, you know, if more players are going to see that as an example of the kind of control they can have over the situation. Like you said, you don't have to be with the team that drafted you. And I don't want to freak Islanders fans out. We're not saying that this is what's going to happen with Matt Barzell and he's going to be like, screw this, I don't want to be here. But maybe that is part of – you know, the like maybe fans are projecting what just happened to Calgary onto yeah. their own situation with like, oh God, <laughs> what's going to yeah, happen right. here? Like players he, know their control now. Oh God, what's next? Like, is is he happy? Does he want to play for a Lou Lamarillo team? Does he want to play for a defense first team? Is he pissed mm-hmm. that Jordan Eberle left and they didn't replace him? Like, there's a bunch of unknowns out there, mm-hmm. so, and we're not like again, like this is this is we're just. BSing on a podcast in the in the middle of August when so there's whatever. nothing to talk about. But but yeah. it but if there is one takeaway, like I said, it is remembering that like because again we see it over and over and over again. Connor Connor McDavid gets drafted by by the Oilander by by the by the by the Oilanders. Oilanders. The Islers. <laughs> you said Oilanders. Yeah, they just <laughs> but he he gets drafted. He gets drafted by the Oilanders, signs a long term deal with the with the Oilanders, and then that's and then that's just kind of kind of it. <laughs> you just said it again. Was that on purpose? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. So just so just so just just remember, like, not every team needs the, needs to sign, or not every player needs to sign with the team that drafts them. Sometimes guys want to leave. Mm-hmm. And there's not and there's nothing wrong with that. 
Let's move on. Not a whole lot happening in the NHL world. You know, Robin Lenners is having surgery, um, the surgery that he could have had last season, but he was told that he actually didn't need it slash I don't even know what happened there, uh, that whole debacle. And now he's having surgery. Now he's out. Uh, so we don't even need to talk yeah, about okay. it. No, My only question is like, how is Jack Eichel feeling right now? But he's probably fine. He sure signed he's, it. He's making $10 million <laughs> sure and he lives in Vegas. I'm, I'm sure, sure Jack Eichel's doing all right. Yeah, Jack's, um, Jack's, ma- Jack's making the turn at a golf course right now and he's just doing fine. I don't want to yeah. talk about this anymore. What I do want to talk about. <laughs> since, talk about no, no, no. since I'm on since I'm on a podcast with the lead national women's hockey writer for the athletic now. Somebody That's somebody right. somebody had a job change last month. That's true. It's Haley. It's me. Uh let's talk about the Team USA roster. Mm-hmm. They're re- they're released for the upcoming women's world championships. Those are in Denmark at the end of the month. The lead National women's hockey writer for the athletic will be covering that in person. It's very exciting. Um, if anyone has any recommendations in Denmark, let me know. It's in yeah. Herning. Freddie Anderson's going to give you a call here. Yeah. yeah, Fred. Whatever. I don't know. Who is another? Frederick, guy? if you are listening, please tell me where to eat in Herning. I can't. I can't think of any other Danish players. Is that bad? Talk to me about this Team USA roster, please. <laughs> Just tell me. <laughs> tell, tell me what's changed. Tell me who's good. Oh, who's good? Uh, I think it's an interesting roster. There's, you know, the the tricky part with analyzing a training camp roster is that it's kind of their summer festival. Mm-hmm. So USA Hockey and Hockey Canada both did the same thing where they had, you know, 140 players at camp for about a week. And then they divvy the camp up at the end of it for the U18 roster, the kind of U20. It used to be U22. It's like the development um, team so like the collegiate players players not quite under 18 but not quite ready for the senior national team and then the senior national team so they kind of swap it up in, into the three pillars and obviously the big one is this world championship team and um, there's some players who are just no-brainers Hillary Knight's back and I think you know this is going to be another big one for her she's this is going to be her 12th women's world championship which is the most in USA hockey history and she already broke Cami Granado's record last year um, you know, she's, she's been a record breaker and she's going to continue to do that. Um, and I spoke with the head coach of the team, John Robleski, and, and he said, you know, you, you get, like, you just know what you're getting with Hillary Knight. She looks really good. Her, her last scrimmage game was, was excellent. She still has that passion and the drive for the game. So even though Hillary Knight's been around for a while, you know, she's still going to be a big and important piece of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, no Brianna Decker. She wasn't in, she wasn't at camp. Um, she had that injury at the Olympics, you know, what was it? Game two yep. of the last Olympics, which was so unfortunate. She's such a talent. So she's not going to be there. Um, still kind of, she had a successful surgery, um, uh-huh. you know, but there's still kind of a rehabbing process for her. So no Brianna Decker for Team USA at the World Championships. A lot of players are back. Um, Alex Carpenter. Um, the defense looks pretty similar. No Megan Bozik, um, but, you know, Lee Steckline, Megan Keller, um, Kayla Barnes, they're all back in the fold. There's a couple of new players that are going to be on the team this year for the first time. Hannah Bilka 
Yes, is I, one... would, I would like I would like to hear specifically about Hannah Bilka because I I have never never watched her play. It seems like it seems like she's good. She is really fun, really skilled, and again, I, I spoke to the head coach of the team, and and you know you've spoken to um, John before. He mm-hmm. was the U.S. NTDP coach, so he you know coached guys like Matthew Kachuk and guys like Trevor Zegris, mm-hmm. and he said you know to kind of lean on some of his past experience on the men's side at USA Hockey. He was like Hannah is like coaching Trevor Zegris. <laughs> like Trevor Zegras level skill, the things she can do with the puck, the excitement when she has the puck on her stick, the things she can do on the ice, her vision, her playmaking ability, her creativity. Um, this is really young and exciting player. So she's going to be somebody to watch out for. Um, she's really young. She's making, again, this is her first senior national team roster. So that's a big one to look at. Uh-huh. Um, plays at Boston College. I hope I didn't mess that up. I'm pretty sure it's Boston College, not BU. Um, another first timer is Taylor Heise. I forgive mm-hmm. me if I mispronounced her last name, but she won the Patty Kazmaier as the best college player in the nation last season. Another really exciting player. She's a natural center, um, but she has, you know, wing capability and a really, really good shot. So if you see her line up for a one timer, um, that's something to look out for. I think some players to to be excited about at this World Championships, players who had the last Worlds and the last Olympics under their belt and now are a little bit more comfortable on the team. They have, you know, more experience at the international senior level. Grace Sumwinkle is one of my favorite players to watch. She is the ultimate power forward. Pain in the ass to play against. Her scoring touch hasn't always been there at the senior level, but once that kind of develops and once the game slows down for her as she starts to you know get used to playing at this level she's going to be you know just a monster she has that cutback move below the hash mark that is like it's just gross she's good on her edges she's really strong really really exciting player to watch um another player who we've talked about before Sean is Abby Rock she's kind of the player that people are just like waiting mm-hmm and anticipation for her breakout. And I think John said, you know, getting to watch her in person at camp, you realize how smart she is and her ability to make the players around her better because of the decision she makes with the puck. She's really good in tight. She's hard to knock off. She makes really good plays. Her pace hasn't always been there, but the way she sees the game kind of helps. So I am, as an Abby Rock like I'm waiting for the Abby Rock breakout. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of her game. I'm excited and hopeful at what I've heard from the coaching staff about her in the sense that, you know what, maybe instead of putting her in the bottom six and not playing her a lot, like the old coaching staff did at the mm-hmm. World Championships, maybe some, she'll be on the some, top line. Sumwinkle, right? Like Grace Sumwinkle barely, um, barely played. Carolyn Harvey barely played. Um, all these players, you know, they cut the bench quick mm-hmm. and often. Joel Johnson did at the Worlds and the Olympics, but I'm I'm kind of, you know, cautiously optimistic, not even cautiously, I'm optimistic about Abby Rock at this World Championship because it sounds like she's going to be someone who plays on the line with somebody like Zumwinkle or Hillary Knight who can just get her the puck and let Hillary Knight rip. And I think that's something she didn't always get the opportunity to do. When Decker went down at the Olympics, Rock did get elevated at the lineup and looked good and comfortable. So I think that's going to be something to watch is, is the Abby Rock breakout. 
Um, so it. there's a lot to be excited about if you're an American hockey fan, I think. Um, one one player who didn't make it was uh, Abby Murphy. Um, Abby Murphy. Mm. Um, she's only 20 years old. She's it's and she was on the Olympic team, um, so she's not in the fold. Um, Emily Matheson was working to come back after um, the birth of her child. She's um, Mike Matheson's wife, or Mike Matheson is Mike Matheson, Emily is husband. Matheson's husband. Um, <laughs> she did not make the team, um, and I think there was a lot of people pushing and like pulling for her, like they really wanted her to be there. But that's not an easy comeback, and. The thing about this kind of world championship roster is it's year one of an Olympic quad. So that's right. kind of the four years where it's your building, building, building for the next Olympics. And you kind of have to balance wanting to win a world championship in year one while also ensuring that you're building the best possible group for year four yeah. when you hit the Olympics. So it's like, do you turn the page on some of these players um, in favor of a younger piece to build them towards the Olympics? Because what you don't want is a bunch of players who have one international game under their belt going to the Olympics for the first time. And the last Olympics was tricky because a lot of players didn't have that experience because of the pandemic. But now it's much more controllable. And it's like, okay, let's get Hannah Bilka into the right. fold. But also not putting them in before they're ready too. like these are players who earned their spots on the roster. Like they're not just there because it's like, let's get them. Let's get them warmed up. Um, they're there because they earned it. And and you can kind of start to see the bones of this next gen of USA hockey. while also understanding that Hillary Knight still deserves to be there. And Kendall Coyne Schofield still deserves to be there because they're still excellent hockey players despite their age and that kind of four year time jump. So I'll be interested to see what they can do. Canada set the bar really high at the Olympics. That was one of the most offensively dominating teams mm -hmm. I think I've ever seen at the Olympic level. So I think we'll, I th I'm excited to see what USA looks like. It feels like this roster is going to uh, like, it's built the way we thought maybe the Olympic roster was built where like one of the narratives surrounding the, the, the American team coming to the Olympics was like, all right, we, we need to figure out a way to work in the Abbey rocks and the Grace Sumwinkles of the world because you need to have like this next cohort of players coming in. That's obviously not what happened. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's clear that it, it's clear that when the game started and when the, you know, when, it, when push came to shove, it was Joel Johnson playing with, you know, old reliable Mm -hmm. players who who he'd, who he'd already won games with. Well, that's understandable to it to an extent, you know, the execution we can make of it what you will. Now it's like okay, this is year 1 of the of the cycle like you said. Now more than ever is the time to work in the Hannah Bilkas and the in the Abbey Rocks and in in these in you know, in um you know, players players like that to uh to to get them going in time to Taylor Heiss or he's or I'm, I'm again I'm sorry I feel like one of us has mispronounced her name. Players like that, you know, get them get them rolling because I think a lot of people were expecting to see that uh, at the Olympics, and that's clearly clearly not what mm -hmm. happened. And I do think that we will see a commitment to like properly kind of divvy up ice time in the group stages. I think you'll see Robleski roll four lines and three D pairs. Um, they're going to bring thirteen. You bring thirteen forwards. Um, they might not use all of them, but I think you're going to see them. Um, you know, try to spread the ice time in the group stages 
But then as they get closer to, say, a gold medal game, I, you know, don't be shocked if he cuts the bench in the gold medal game, if the if the fourth line's not ready for the moment or a young player's not ready for the moment. That's kind of a normal thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, spreading the wealth when you can is is going to be really important. And I think they, they're going to commit to doing that, um, which is great. That's what that's what group games are for. Yeah. Uh, what's the time difference in Denmark? How far? What, what are we looking at here? Eight Seven hours? hours? Seven hours? So that's the first, doable. Yeah, the first day of the tournament is August twenty fifth, mm-hmm. and then the gold medal game is September fourth. So it's going to be eleven days ish with tons of great hockey. Um, I'm going to be there. It's going to be fun. Everyone should watch and read on the athletic. <laughs> great plug. Way to go. Yes. What a pro. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, everyone, we're back uh, finally with Andrew Mondrupani from the Calgary Flames. He left us waiting yeah. <laughs> for a while. That is, we're actually going to now blame our guest for all the nonsense we talked about for 30 minutes. So if you yeah. didn't enjoy the show. You had nothing to do just, with it. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> oh, sorry, again. Stuck in traffic there for a little bit, so uh, I can't. I, I I just blame the city, so that's all I'm blaming it off. Do you have any yeah. like Do you have any like Toronto traffic like horror stories? Because I love I'm 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 in Pittsburgh, so I love hearing people just be like, "Oh yeah, I got stuck between such and such for like two hours or whatever." Yeah, it's just all dependent on time wherever you're trying to go, right? You really gotta I guess plan it out, right? If you're if I'm trying to go downtown for a dinner, like I know uh, Sean Sean uh, Monahan and I just went for a dinner the other day, and like we we're both just stuck in traffic. And it was, <laughs> And we, were, we were both late to it and it was like okay it was fine <laughs> like there's only one way in one way out basically so it's it is what it is but you just got to plan around it <laughs> wait where did you guys go because i just moved back to the area and i don't know what's around here anymore uh we recommendations went, uh, harbor 60 it was just the steakhouse <sighs> Classic. downtown first time i think yeah basically going there so i used yeah. to work at a uh, high steakhouse Back yeah, when I was in university, it's a good spot. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do. A lot of the guys go uh, when we're back in Calgary to highest there. Yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah. Um, this has been Toronto Steakhouse Talk with Andrew <laughs> and Haley. How are we doing? Yeah, thanks for joining us. That's that's it. That's all we got for you. Um, but no, really, we just first want to say congratulations um, on the season you had uh, and the contract that you signed a couple weeks ago. Um, we we talked about it earlier in the show, but three years, $5.8 million AAV. Andrew, 
If you were to like tell 16-year-old Andrew Mangiapane playing in the GTHL the yeah. season you had and, and, and what the deal you just signed, like what, what would he have said if yeah. you told him? Yeah, I probably, probably would have laughed, uh, <laughs> laughed at uh, myself or whatever, right? Uh, obviously, I've had a kind of up and down roller coaster to kind of get where I am, but uh, I wouldn't, I guess, trade it for, for the world, right? I think it uh, made me the player that I am today. Can you maybe expand on that? I know, you know, we spoke about this last season um, for a story in The Athletic about it, but it has been a roller coaster for you. And can you maybe explain to people who are listening who maybe don't know, like, what exactly um, you kind of battled early on, you know, not getting drafted to the OHL and and going to that Barry Colts camp and, and kind of that path that you've taken? Yeah, that was, um, that's kind of the first step I, I'd say is to, you know, I'm sure every kid wants to kind of get drafted and then to go to the OHL or if you, I guess you're growing up in Canada and all that. Right. And, um, yeah, and I just, you know, wasn't selected and, and then, you know, Barry Colts kind of asked me to go out to their, their camp and I was kind of hesitant to go. I was always told, uh, I was going to go NCAA, you know, study, work hard, um, but, you know, get your schooling and, you know, who knows, you can, you know, get a, scholarship and then get a good job after really. Right. But I, I decided to go to Barry's camp just to kind of uh, measure myself up against uh, other players that were drafted and everything like that. And then, you know, Dale Howard, Chuck and, you know, Todd Miller and, and, and that uh, organization there that they, uh, they believed in me and when gave me a chance when then uh, nobody else really did. And, you know, that kind of jumpstarted my career. And then again, I wasn't drafted uh, to my first year eligibility in the NHL and that was kind of like, um, you know, that was kind of a, a downfall. I ended up actually going to the draft and sitting all through the the seven rounds. I was there with Dale and, you know, and they were all kind of supporting me. And as I look back and I laugh, now, but I mean, at the time I was, uh, you know, just uh, shaken up a, a little bit. But again, I, I didn't let that stop me and I used that as fuel. And, you know, thankfully the year after I went to the draft again, you know, it was a special moment to hear my name being uh, called uh, by the Calgary Flames and, you know, and then just kind of, you know, paid my, I guess, time to in and, you know, kept growing as a player and, you know, eventually, eventually made it. I don't know if Brad Tree Living's ever told you this story, but he told it to me um, last season. The scouting staff was so passionate about taking you that year that Tree said that if he didn't go up there and, and say, you know, we take Andrew Mangiapane at this number, he's like, I probably would have got punched. Yeah. <laughs> because they were like, we're we're gonna get this guy right now, and if we don't, uh, I'm gonna hit you with something yeah. because we want this guy on our team so badly. Yeah, I, I heard that uh, story kind of. I don't even know who told me. It could have been Tree. It could have been uh, the the scouting staff and all that, right? Uh, but yeah, they were, I guess, pulling for me, and you know, obviously, I gotta thank them, right? Uh, obviously, they watched uh, enough games. Uh, I think they were probably just. Uh, scouting Razzie there. So I kind of, I maybe owe a little thanks to Razzie as well. Cause I'm sure, um, you know, the scouts came out to watch him play and they probably maybe uh, noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, uh, after you signed your deal, somebody asked Rasmus, uh, Rasmus Anderson, for those listening, uh, you know, what he thought about your deal. And he was like, I'm going to leave my wallet home yeah. in Sweden and Andrew can uh, take the bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, uh, "Quote unquote," what he said there. So, I, <laughs> last year I had to pay for him. The year before that, I had to pay for him. And now this yeah, year, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, is that how that's the, that's something somebody says when there's a track record, right? Like, I, I, not a new thing. 
yeah, he's a cheap guy. And now he did, you know, now he's got a kid and everything. So now <laughs> it's school and everything like that. So, uh, so you're helping out with the, yeah, help, uh, helping out, <laughs> <laughs> helping with the, uh, tuition fund. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a big summer for Calgary, not just you. Right. I mean, it's things started out, you know, look, we all, we, we all know what happened with Johnny. We know, we know the way that unfolded. Um, I, from the outside, I think the, the Matthew Kachuk saga, maybe not any of the way that it did, but the fact that he brought back Huberdeau and Weir, that those were the guys that came back in that, in that deal. What was that as, as somebody, we know your deal wasn't done yet, but as somebody who was looking at, who was part of the Calgary flames and, you know, kind of had, you're you're as close to it as anybody. What were those what were those couple of days like for you? And from free agency and and the knowing, you know, you did, did you were bringing back Huberto and Weger. That was a crazy crazy stretch. Yeah, it was kind of uh, an interesting uh, off season uh, for the Flames there, right? Obviously, you knew that you know uh, you know Chucky, Johnny, and myself kind of kind of were up, and yeah. um, you know, looking kind of um, before, right? It would be uh, probably tough to bring everybody back and. And, uh, knowing all that, but yeah, just, just obviously, uh, you know, those two guys are two great, you know, players and, you know, I have a lot of respect for them on and off the ice. Um, but you know, um, you know, it's tough to kind of see those guys leave, but at the end of the day, it is a business and, uh, you know, excited to kind of get those, a uh, couple new guys, uh, coming in and, and excited for the season. I still think that, uh, we have a really good team. Uh, you know, the majority of players are there and I think uh, everybody's uh, ready to win and, and, and take that next step and uh, keep uh, continuing and, and growing on what we did last year. Right? They're, locked, they're locked in for a few more years, right? Like you, like they have, they have you in the full, they had the Uberdo extension, like for as much uncertainty as it seemed like there was, especially heading into the off season, like you guys know the, the bones of the group that you're going to have moving forward for the next few years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly kind of why I wanted to sign kind of a, uh, a longer term deal, right? I, you know, I like Calgary. I, I like the city. You know, I like uh, teammates, uh, management. You know, everything about it, right? So, um, I'm happy that uh, we were able to get a deal done, and uh, I didn't have to go to arbitration and kind of get that one uh, one year deal. Wanted to sign a um, three or whatever longer term deal, and you know, happy that I'm able to stay because uh, you know I really like Calgary and I really like uh, where this team is headed. What was that process like for you, Andrew? Like, was it kind of sitting back and waiting for some of the other stuff to finish before you guys started mm-hmm. really talking about stuff? Like, were you kind of just sitting and waiting for a while and then it was like, all right, let's let's yeah. get moving on some of this stuff? Yeah, and I think that's just kind of, you know, how it's kind of always going to be when you're a restricted uh, player. Obviously, UFA is kind of, um, you know, all those players are kind of you know the first first priority to get them re-signed right just uh, on the timing of it and everything like that right so once um you know they knew that johnny wasn't coming back then um and then i think you know uh, the talks and contract negotiations started to you know pick up right? i mean we know like you you said it yourself you're trying to avoid the arbitration things that the arbitration stuff i always love hearing guys you know, whether it's arbitration horror stories or whatever, it's such a, it's such a thing to be avoided for, for, for you guys, right? It's that day on the calendar. We were just like, all right, we got to have something, something in place so we can avoid doing that. Was that, that was front of mind for you, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. I don't think, um, you know, both parties kind of wanted to go to arbitration. Uh, you know, you hear some of those horror stories, uh, as well as a player and all that, but, um, I think it was just kind of, um, you know, I wanted to be there. I, I wanted to stay and, you know, I'm happy that the, you know, flames kind of 
uh, felt the same about me. And, um, and yeah, it was when, you know, when I guess we kind of expressed uh, kind of how many years and everything like that, you know, obviously I was saying we want a longer term deal and they don't want that one year because, you know, I, I like Calgary and, you know, it's going to be an exciting season. Did you feel like any, did you feel like anything changed on their part after, after the Johnny and Matthew situations kind of resolved itself? Like did, did that, how did that affect you yeah, know, I think, your, your end of things? I think that's just kind of, you know, just kind of made it clear, obviously, um, Oh, Huberto wasn't extended or any of them, right? So uh, it was just more okay. Now we need to figure out what we're going to do with kind of Mange and try to get him kind of locked up, right? I think uh, obviously um, maybe they were trying to sign Johnny and Chucky to you know longer term deals and whatever, and all the money situation and the cap. And you know, I know we're pretty close to the cap, and so I'm sure that they just had to you know go through, you know, just go step by step through that process and just try to figure it out that way. Do you see, you know, a big opportunity for yourself this coming season? And not that there was an opportunity for you before, and, and obviously you scored 35 goals and 55 points and really established yourself as an important piece in this team, but do you see an opportunity for yourself to kind of step in and take on an even bigger role and continue establishing yourself for the Calgary Flames this coming yeah. season? Yeah, I think there's going to be uh, some more opportunity, right? Obviously, those are two big kind of players, uh, both getting, um, you know, top minutes, um, top power play uh, time. So, obviously, there's going to be uh, room for kind of our, our whole team to kind of fill that uh, void, right? Um, you know, that's just not just me and all that. It's uh, going to be a lot of opportunity for a lot of guys, and and uh, we're going to need that and need guys to kind of step up and fill those areas if uh, we want to be a uh, contending team. What was the big difference for you just, you know, kind of stepping back to this season and, and knowing, I feel like, you know, last season, so the year that you went to the World Championships and had that great tournament for Canada, that was kind of the year where everyone started to be like, started kind of paying more close attention outside the market. And then this year you come in with the 35 goal season and, and the 55 points. And it was kind of the, the breakout that everybody could see coming. What was the difference for you this season? Was it the confidence level, um, the comfort level coaching under Daryl combination? What kind of went into this year? Uh, you know, combination of everything. I think, uh, it's playing this league, you need to kind of have uh, confidence. Uh, you got to believe in yourself and believe in your teammates and everything like that, right? So I think uh, maybe in my first couple seasons, I was a little shy, timid, uh, whatever it is, starstruck. And, you know, I, you know, once you start playing and, you know, getting put in more opportunity and, uh, you know, playing the power play, playing the PK and, you know, you get kind of, I don't know, but in, you you get the confidence, right? And that's that's the big thing in this league is, you know, I think I always believed in myself and knowing that I could play here, but it was uh, took time for me to really kind of believe that, you know, I could be an everyday kind of point guy and produce, you know, kind of like I did in, uh, in junior and, you know, throughout the years and all that, even in the minors and everything like that, right? It took me a while, but I think, uh, you know, now after World Juniors and just coming into this season, I just kind of wanted to play the way I know I can, right? And I was able to do that. Do you see another step for yourself next season? Uh, yeah, right. Obviously, you know, there's going to be, like like we were talking about before, there's going to be a lot more kind of opportunity, I think, right? And um, just kind of with my myself, I think that, yeah, there is room to grow, right? I, like I, 
you know, there's going to be more ice time available and, you know, maybe obviously they're two power play guys. So you could be slotted in there on the first power play, you know, there's new guys coming in. So you don't even know kind of who you're playing with and what's going on and all that situations. And, you know, you got to wait for camp and all that, but, uh, you know, just me personally, I, I, like I said, I'm, you know, uh, playing now I and mean, after last season, you know, you have the confidence and, and the belief. And so I'm just kind of excited and, you know, excited to get going and, and start the season again. So one of the things we did, Andrew, um, when we were planning to have you on is we asked some fans if they had some questions. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were just questions about bread. Bread? Bread related stuff. Bread. Yeah. Subway sandwich bread, regular yeah. sandwich bread. We'll just skirt over those. I mean, have you gotten used to the like bread puns and stuff yeah. like that? Like, when did that even really yeah, start to that, catch on? When, that's what I don't know. When did when did that start? Uh, I just no. Nah, I started kind of my my whole life, right? Okay. Obviously, kind of eat bread, right? So when I tell them, you know, yeah, it means eat bread, right? They're they're all oh wow, bread bread eater and everything like Har-har. that. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Right. I think uh, this year kind of made me laugh. I think it was like the start of the season. Someone threw a loaf of, of bread on the ice and everything like that. And I, I saw it. I don't know if half our team knew what it meant or whatever it was. And I was laughing mm-hmm. over the ice. It's like, I don't even know how you bring that in the arena, but uh, <laughs> there's ways there's ways you can, you can, you can smuggle stuff in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I heard the way that people bring the catfish in for Nashville games. They like saran wrap it to their body yeah. and then so. put their clothes over top, which is just, yeah, that's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Good passion though. Great job, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I love how much you love the Nashville predators. Yeah. Um, you know, and I remember the bread throwing incident cause I'm pretty sure somebody asked after the game, like what kind of loaf was it? Yeah, it was like a sourdough or something. That was something. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I, I was kind of shocked, right? So it was uh, made me laugh. Yeah, I would never use a bread pun personally to discuss. No, never, never. never I've never. never, never. never. Don't check my Twitter account. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing in the store. <laughs> I think some of the other kind of fun ones, you know, you talking about Rasmus and, and Rasmus having the the comments about. Uh, you're going to have to pay for stuff and he's going to leave his wallet back. I think people were wanting to know like who's the best trash talker on the team. And basically like, why is it Rasmus Anderson? Unless yeah. it's someone different. No, I, I'd say, yeah, Rasmus kind of up there. Right. I know, uh, I know he likes to chirp kind of on and off the ice. He likes to chirp, uh, his friends, guys, he doesn't like everything like that. He just, uh, yeah, he just, uh, I don't know. He likes the English language now that he knows it. <laughs> he likes to use all the words and the vocabulary, I'd say, right? Um, when he first came to Barry, he was very shy and quiet. I was now, I, I think that was just because he was kind of unsure of uh, some words, right? So then when he started, you know, his English started getting better, he started getting more uh, comfortable and everything like that. So then this guy was a limit for him then after uh, <laughs> he knew all the words, so. He would be the number one. <laughs> That's funny. I guess jumping off that, you guys have had such a long path together from Barry mm-hmm. to now, and you both kind of had these really big seasons this year. You know, Rasmus really showing his ability to be a number one D in this league and top pair guy, and you showing your ability. How nice has it been, or what's it been like to have somebody going along this path for so long with you and kind of having this shared experience? It's Obviously, everyone's path is a bit unique, um, and you play different positions. But 
just to have Rasmus kind of through all that with you. No, it's great, right? Obviously, you know, we've played together almost, I don't even know, 10 seasons now. So, right, it's always to have, you know, a friend there, right? I classify him as one of my, you know, best friends, you know, maybe the best friend I have in uh, hockey and all that, right? Uh, we've always kind of grew up together and, you know, we... You know, we started off whatever, 17 years old, 18 years old, whatever, however old we were in Barry, right? So you kept growing as as people and you know, on and off the ice. So it's uh it's been a crazy ride. And I think um, you know, or you know, just going to Stockton together and you know, living together that first year it was just it was a lot of uh, comfort just knowing that you have you know someone there and you know that you know you you have a friend, right? It's always always tough when you go to places that you know you don't know or a different team or anything like that and you're going into you know even a new class or whatever it is and you don't know anyone new school things like that right it's always tough but it was good that you know uh, I only knew Rasmus kind of right and you know it was good that I had a friend there and you know it's crazy kind of how our journeys uh you know we're kind of on the same path right we played the same number of uh, you know, seasons in the minors and we jumped to the NHL the same season and everything like that. So it's been, uh, it's been kind of crazy that way, but you know, it's, it's been awesome. That's great. Uh, we got a couple more from fans and we'll let you go, Andrew. I think one, you know, we did have some fans and it's probably something we should have asked too. Um, have you reached out and talked to Jonathan Huberto yet since he's been part of the team and, and signed? Uh, no, we, we added him to our kind of group chat, right. And said, you know, a few things in there, but no, nothing, nothing yet. Right. So uh, it'll be nice to kind of go back and, you know, to see the new guys and, uh, you know, get to know them. Right. I've heard uh, good things about them. Does Rasmus know how much money he makes now? Cause he might, he, he might have some else to hit up to pick up bills. <laughs> it's a very Rasmus when you get them, he'll start going after his money too and everything. <laughs> it's, uh, it's only a matter of time for Razzy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad. This is terrible. Yeah, this is good. This I'm is so good. sorry. Uh, um, it's good. I, you know, one of the ones we did get is what is the best thing about uh, having Daryl Sutter as a coach, <laughs> and and is it just watching uh, his media sound bites? Yeah, some of his media is uh, good to see and everything like that. But the <laughs> uh, thing with Daryl is he wants he wants the best for you, right? And then that's that's important. I think in a coach way, when you, when you know, a coach is, you know, he might be tough on you or might show you something that you don't agree or anything like that, but it's more just, okay, this is, he wants the best for you and he wants the best for the team and, and he wants to win. Right. And, you know, that's why we're all kind of there. We're there to win and win hockey games. Right. And, um, and, and he brings kind of the best out in everybody. Right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, top, uh, or, do I say it, uh, you know, best seasons, a lot of career best for guys this year. And, you know, and that uh, goes to goes to him, right? He, he pushes you and, and wants you to be the best that you can be every night. Final question. Uh, and I'm not even sure if this is just a joke because they're making fun of, I mean, it's not even making fun of. Some people want to know if you watch The Sopranos and what your favorite Sopranos <laughs> episode is. Is this just like an Italian thing? And they're like, well, his last name, he must watch The Sopranos. No, no I don't know. No, I haven't watched The Sopranos and all that. I've seen a few kind of bits here and there, but nothing that I can say is my favorite episode or anything like that. <laughs> I recently purchased a Bobby Bacala t-shirt. Um, if you know who that is, he is my personal favorite character. <laughs> On The Sopranos. 
He's yeah. just some, a sweet, innocent one who doesn't do anything. You got some. You got some time to kill. Camp <laughs> yeah, camp starts. Camp starts in a month. You can. Enough. It's on HBO Max. You can knock it, knock it out. All right. Yeah. yeah maybe I do that. <laughs> you should pick it up. Uh, so I guess I've been led astray on this question. They were like, <laughs> "What did they even say? Like, what is his favorite Sopranos episode?" I know he's seen it. Yeah. So, That's, there it is. Discrimination. Well, through right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for uh, sticking with some of the silly ones and uh, apologies to Rasmus Anderson for <laughs> everything that's been said today. My punching bag. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. We appreciate having you on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. That was good stuff from Andrew. Catching up with an old buddy. You wrote something You wrote something very good about him in the fall and like his, you know, his, his come up to turning into a 35 goal scorer or, or whatever. Even at that point, it was clear that he was, the breakout was on, right? Cause he was so on such a heater to, 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 to start the season. It's a big, big part of things in Calgary moving forward. I wouldn't say an old buddy. <laughs> He's your best friend. <laughs> yeah, that's super professional. Yes. My close personal friend. No, um, you missed. Okay. You clearly don't listen to the Tuesday show. Craig, you know how many, you know how many best friends Craig has? Greg. Every, Greg, excuse me. Super inappropriate. Bill Zito. I wonder. Bill, yeah. Bill Zito, your best friend. <laughs> right. Um, I do think that, you know, anyone who was paying attention to the Flames or watching Andrew Mangiapane kind of knew that this kind mm-hmm. of season was coming from him. And, and that was kind of the story that I wrote before last season was, you know, can Andrew Mangiapane, who was once an afterthought in this sport, you know, 
establish himself as a cornerstone piece, the Calgary Flames. And and he did just that this season. And I think that was something, again, that you could see coming. I mean, he's always been up there in terms of five-on-five scoring per 60. You know, he's Mm -hmm. a very impactful, effective player in the minutes he gets. And I think, you know, he got a lot of, like, middle six, even bottom six minutes over the last couple years, and that's never changed – the way that he can impact a game. Um, he drives play. He's good defensively. He's good in the neutral zone. Um, he's a smart player. He's a smaller guy, but he's really hard to push off the puck. And he, he doesn't shy away. Like if, you know, a six foot five defender's coming at him on the boards, he's not going to move away. He's going to dig in and try to get the puck out. So, you know, he's an important player to the Flames even more so now. But like this isn't just a, oh, Kachuk and Gajo are gone, so now Manji Pani can arrive. Like he was already here. He was another important piece of the roster. And I do think that he'll be able to kind of step in and take on more of a role. Cause he's still pretty young. He's only 26. Like, and when you look at his path, um, and for people who haven't read the story, it is on the athletic, um, you know, he was a late bloomer. He was undrafted to the OHL, undrafted to the NHL depth draft pick, all that stuff. Um, so, you know, this isn't exactly a guy who's He's been around, but it's not like, oh, we've been waiting for seven years for Andrew Mondiopani to finally show up. I'm just glad to see him overcome a clear case of anti-Italian discrimination against him earlier in his career. It's real. Okay. (laughs) All right. I asked people what they would would talk about if they had a hockey podcast that they did do in a couple minutes. And uh, these answers are all terrible because nobody (laughs) has any clue – what we're supposed to talk about here. A lot of people saying baseball. Um, a lot of people asking me to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback situation, which is King a Kenny hot Pickett. topic of conversation here. Let me go put Kenny. on my Pitt football shirt. I don't know where you got that. Because I love Kenny Pickett. Uh, are these good? There is a boy at World Juniors who wanted ice cream. This is what somebody said to me. Talk about the World Juniors boy who wanted ice cream. This kid, Martin Martins Lavins, who plays for the for the Latvia team, broke off an interview because he really, really wanted to get ice cream after scoring a goal. I hope that happened for this kid. Um, Where's the ice cream truck? Um, question. <laughs> there's so many. This is, oh my God, this is, Do you want to just talk about Hal Gill? Whose legacy is uh, – see, this is great. This is just BS fodder for, for talking. <laughs> Whose legacy is in more jeopardy if they don't win a cup in the next few years, Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about their legacies already? Yeah. Those guys are old. Mm-hmm. My God. Um, I don't know. Well – McDavid's legacy is definitely in, in more jeopardy because he had because he is going to if he if he doesn't win a cup that means he's going to have continued losing in Edmonton, whereas Austin Matthews will have the shine of playing for the Arizona Coyotes and you know, that that'll buy him that'll buy him a few more years. Oh it'll change God. his legacy a little bit. It'll remove Jesus it'll remove Christ. some of the pressure from him. Right? I'm not even gonna engage right. in that. That is just I, you should. Uh, I don't think so. I don't feel like having the wrath of both Oilers fans and Leafs fans and potentially Arizona fans who don't think you're funny directed at me. So. Here's a great here's a great question. <laughs> great uh, great submission from, from our buddy Justin Morissette. The world is crumbling. Climate is lashing out in all kinds of ways. The rich get richer. The poor get poorer. 
So how does all this affect the Leafs? And that is my question to you, Haley, as a Toronto boomeranger now. The climate crisis, how does it affect the Toronto Maple Leafs? Go! They might not be able to have the same state-of-the-art facilities. <laughs> to- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Ryan says... Uh, Ryan's R.L. Notstein says he'd like to talk about the fact that Evan Rodriguez doesn't have a contract yet. We did. We talked about that for a second. Haley, I, you, you I were like, like Evan yeah, Rodriguez. you were like, you were the conductor of the Evan Rodriguez train at the start of the offseason, weren't you? Yeah, I thought that he made a ton of sense for the Flames. I put him on like every possible kind of story and list that I made <laughs> that had to do with like, who could the Flames go and sign? Because, you know, you we've talked about this. I mean, I feel like if you're a Penguins fan, Rodriguez is the guy that you were kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for that offensive <laughs> pop to happen, and he it happened like, for a bit. He had like, and it was three, like, oh my god, he had Evan diff- Rodriguez. He had three different seasons. He was yeah. in a fugue state in the fall, I think, with the way he was scoring goals, and then it was yeah. like, then, then the, I uh, think Dom short circuited. Watching Evan Rodriguez at the start of the season, <laughs> he broke he broke Dom's little uh, he broke Dom's little spreadsheet thing for for, yeah. for a little bit there, mm-hmm. and then and then, it, and then possibly started the uh, started the butterfly effect that led to them losing that series against against the yeah. Rangers with a really bad penalty. So, yeah. I'd si- I would sign Evan Rodriguez for like two million, two, two million years, two million. Yeah, versatile, He's effective versatile player. He can play pretty much anywhere, mm. anywhere in a middle six. I would say. Yeah, that's fine. I think Rodriguez is in the kind of camp of, and maybe even a little more elevated because he did show a flash of that kind of offensive production that he could mm-hmm. bring to the table. But when you talk about some of the guys that are left or had been left for a while, it's like the Zach Ast- it's like Zach Aston Reese, Evan Rodriguez, Tyler Mott. Um, yeah, these are th- these are the Sunny Milano. Like yeah. these are the kind of guys who had been or have been. I don't I don't know if Tyler Mott. I think I saw people wanting him. Like, how can the Rangers bring Tyler Mott back? But again, I've been. I don't. I think they're still on the board. But it's just yeah. like that's kind of the the kind of tier crop of useful depth players that we're looking at right now. And I think if you could pluck a couple out of that group. I think Evan Rodriguez and Sonny Milano are the two that are like these guys have some of that offensive pop. They're not just, you know, Zach Aston Reese again, another Penguin who people were probably just like, is they're waiting for him to become maybe a little bit more, but he's still really effective and versatile and, and good at very specific things. Yeah, he's a good PK a good and, defensive defensive winger. Yeah, I mean, he's got but he's I think got some value. I like Evan Rodriguez. Um, Maybe he's asking for too much. I think someone like Sonny Milano not being signed is is strange. I think they're probably battling a bit of the um, what they think he's worth versus what other teams oh, think sure. he's worth, especially after not getting a qualifying <laughs> offer by the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of – I wonder how long he's going to be sitting there for before a team either just gives him what he wants or they kind of back off what their you know potential ask is. So there's some interesting ones out there, but I do like Evan Rodriguez. I think – it's a little strange that he's not signed. I wonder if this is like a are these guys the like Cadre plan Bs? <laughs> like everyone's waiting yeah. to see like what happens with Cadre. Then they can move on to the depth guys. I don't know. It's think, just been a really weird kind of free agency year, honestly. I mean, these are the guys who the smart GMs are gonna are, they, they I I guarantee you there 
our hockey ops departments that are just like, all right, we're going to, we're going to wait. And we have X amount of players that we know aren't, aren't going to get signed until Mm -hmm. the middle of August. And these guys are going to start coming on the cheap. You're going to see a lot of good players signed for a million one or, or or whatever. And that is how you build out effective rosters. So, well, not something to bring it back to the, how does this affect the Leafs? Leafs are good at that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're bad at certain other things, but yes. But you know, I feel like if you're a front office who's yeah. tight to the cap, you're probably trying to take a Kyle Dubas page and every year it's Michael Bunting. Every year, where are they going to get the Michael Bunting type value? Um, yeah, you know, and I think these are some of the guys that they are valuable to your roster if you can bring them in on the cheap. But if you you don't want to be overpaying for these players either, because that's when you run into issues is when you have too many guys making like three to $5 million when they should mm-hmm. be making one to two. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other ones on this Twitter? A big question. Red. Okay. From, from our buddy, Brian Batko, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Why is armpit an anatomical term, but leg pit is not? I already asked this. No, you didn't. At the top of the show. <laughs> oh, you did? I, th- I honestly thought that was an offline conversation. That's right. You thought I was just talking about leg pit? It's happened before. <laughs> no, it hasn't. That is t- <laughs> yeah, I think we actually got an, got, a, got an answer here. Your armpit is not on the same joint as your elbow, which is true. Oh, so I guess your leg pit's your leg elbow. Yeah, the <laughs> armpit... This so this guy, Tom this, this, this guy is in the replies. He's he's making he's making some strong points. <laughs> he's swayed me. I we can't. Do we you can't think call your it. armpit is your inner elbow? <laughs> <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> when is Mendez back? Oh my god! What is I'm he? Just what kidding. is he? He's on vacation. Yeah, I'm sure I'll come back. Why did I come back from vacation? I don't know. Because there was no one else to host on Monday. It would have been me and Shapiro or something. Yeah. <laughs> the hated worse. Sean Shapiro. <laughs> We're even Jeez. worse, me and Max Boltman. Oh. Wait, wait. Oh. Should, we throw, should we throw sweet boy Peter Baugh under the bus for the loyal listeners who are still listening mm-hmm. to this podcast? So everybody, we're at the draft in Montreal. Everyone's at a pub. We're going for dinner. It's not the drinking adult hours. It's everyone's there. People are going for dinner at some Irish place. I forget what it was called. The waitress was very mean to me, so I left. Uh (laughs) She watched me walk into the bar. As an aside, I walk into the bar to go say hello to like Frank Cervalli, who's in the other room. And she goes, stop ordering from the bar. I'll be right there. And I was just like, ah. And then I left. I was like, I'm not buying food from you. You're so mean. But anyways, before that happened, we got this really special treat from Peter Baugh. Sean introduces himself to sweet Peter. Oh, my God. I forgot. I I honestly didn't realize this is what you're talking about. Oh, did you think I was talking about the Shirley Temples? Yep. This is even funnier. (laughs) This is even funnier. Peter goes to Sean, or Sean goes to Peter and says, like, hey, like, Sean Gentilly, nice to, like, I'm Sean. You didn't even say Gentilly. He's like, I'm Sean. Nice to meet you, man. And he's like, we met. We had coffee and a really nice time yep. in Detroit. Yep. I said, nope. That was Sean Shapiro. <laughs> like, oh. And Peter was like, but even before that, there was like a back and forth. Peter was like, we've met before. And you're like, like, no. no and he's have, like, we yeah, yeah, we, we met did. in Detroit, we Sean. And I'm like, nope, wrong one. <laughs> I know we had coffee in Traverse City, and you're like, mm, mm, nope. Mm. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I know. I know we both have beards, and 
work work for the same place, kind of look alike, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and then we went inside, and he ordered a a dirty, a dirty Shirley. Shirley, which is a Shirley Temple with booze in it. Point point of fact, yeah. Peter Baugh, is that you have made a powerful enemy. <laughs> I will not stand. <laughs> I will not stand to be spoken to that way. Yeah. Just you must respect me. Just kidding, buddy. Young boy. Is that it? Anyway, I think so. We're done. We're done. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and The Athletic Hockey Show wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple. We found out, Bean. me and Cousins found out our start date for September. I think the Tuesday show will be back, I believe, on September 20th. So every, every why would anybody can, listening to this right now? Everybody, care about that? everybody can calm down. Leave me alone. Stop calling my home. When are you don't even have a home phone, do you? You don't know that. That's right. I you seem like the type that would have like a duck phone in your house, like from Jersey Shore, a phone you know that's shaped like a duck that quacks when people call. I'm not comfortable answering any any personal questions like this. Please, please move on. <laughs> For people that listen to Sean's other podcast, he this is a lie. He likes to drop hints about where he lives. <laughs> They're getting very specific. I, I think the walls are the, the hey, walls are starting. Hey, to close you know in. that Wendy's mm-hmm. uh, that's on the corner of blah blah blah. My apartment is three blocks to the northwest. It's like I, I see how many turns. I live four turns away from from Thing X. I think people have triangulated my location. Right. Yeah. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening. Subscribe. We appreciate you. Today was uh, great because of Andrew Manjupani and everything (laughs) else was just us trying to get by. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I wonder if people realize, just not even realize, do you think people, like, are we unhinged when Ian's not around? Yeah. He's a dad. Do people enjoy that? Or do you want some more order? I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's split down the middle, honestly. <laughs> it's like, this isn't the Monday show I'm used to. This is weird. What are they talking about? They're all over the place. What's wrong with Anyways. Ian? What's wrong with Ian? He sounds sick. <laughs> Venda sounds funny. He sounds like a dork. <laughs> I'm that velvety smooth AM radio voice. Yeah. Ian's back. He got a cold, and okay. now he's his voice is all messed up for... Just this episode. He'll be, he'll be fine next week. All right. Goodbye, Haley Salvian. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>